One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery are purveyors of beautiful non-alcoholic beverages. Live on your own terms, be true to you, and drink what's good for your body and soul. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm joined by Greg Jennings. I reached out to Greg because I've been following your Instagram for a little while and I, I love it. I find it really inspiring. And so, yeah, I asked Greg to come on and, and share his story. So welcome, Greg. How are you? G'day, Danny. I'm awesome, actually. Thank you. Um, yeah, and stoked to join you today. Oh, I'm stoked um, to have you. Really chuffed to be asked to, you know, share share the story. So thank you. Yeah, I always get nervous when I kind of ask someone, you've watched to see if they've read it, and then you're like, are they going to get back to me? Do they think I'm some weird stalker? You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're good. Yeah, yeah and I Quite get nervous. Timely. Oh, my God, someone wants me to speak about me. Oh, wow. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. It's, um, no, but it's awesome, yeah. Yeah. So Greg's in Melbourne and you're a, a Hawks Hawks supporter of the AFL footy. Yeah, look, AFL, geez, that defines Melbourne a little bit, doesn't it? It's totally. Um, what's your name and what footy team do you barrack for? That's that's how we <laughs> communicate down here. Exactly. Um, yeah, I am a Hawks fan. Um, but yeah, footy's entrenched in me and also father of two, well, married father of two, sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, two boys and uh, trying to get them to barrack for my team as well. <laughs> that's half the battle isn't it so yeah. how long have you been sober for um i've been sober since january 1 2020 so we've just ticked over 14 months recently it's mighty cool absolutely awesome and 
where I am now to where I was then, like absolute worlds apart. Tell us about where you were then. Um, yeah, so I'd got to, well, on that day one, gee, I woke up absolutely trolleyed still, hungover and confused. So where I was my last night was New Year's, it was New Year's Eve at my in-laws house of all places. Ooh. Yeah, up, up near where you are. So I was up on, it was, I was on the Tweed Coast at Coogeon there. Mm-hmm. and uh, we were there on the Christmas holidays and we'd been building up to this, uh, like I'd announced to my family that I was going to take a year off and I'd been planning for that and then that was that was my last hurrah that day and what was, uh, you know, a, meant to be a nice uh, family dinner once the boys had been put to sleep, it was sort of me at the tail end of my day of drinking before my last hurrah and that was pretty much when everyone else started. So I was about six hours, seven hours ahead of everyone and then as it turned out, I didn't even see midnight. So didn't get to have that last drink uh, that I was, you know, building up to in, in myself for days. And then woke up about 2 a.m. that night, like just like that wake up where you go, oh, where am I? What's happened? And I was in bed. And mm. yeah, didn't even see midnight and sort of had to be assisted from, you know, the dinner table and stuff with them. So, you know, that was a pretty embarrassing way to start 2020. But then also I woke up with that glimmer of hope. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We quit on New Year's Day as well yeah. um, in 2018. And I remember the night before, it was a bit of an anticlimax because we'd built it up so much, built it up, built yeah. it up. And then it was just a bit like, although we didn't pass out like you did, I think we were aiming to right. do that, but it didn't quite right. happen. <laughs> <laughs> but when you've had a night like that and you're a bit of a, you had to get taken off to bed, I think they'll all go, yeah, he needs a year off. So it's probably a good way to get that yeah. extra support that you need. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty massive. Let's rewind. Yep. Paper bit. And let's go back to like when you first started drinking and what got you to the point where you wanted to stop. Yeah. So when I did stop, that was, I would have been, what's that going into 2020. So I was turning 42 that year. And then it probably started when I was 12. Wow. 30, 30 years before then, to be 12. honest. But it's sort of around family functions and that as a kid, you'd sort of get to sip the froth of a beer, you know, and then that was it. And you'd sort of be educated about it. But then when I was 12, it was, it was, I got, I got to stay at a mate's house. We snuck out of his house that night, um, as you do when there's, there's four of us. And um, he goes, oh, do you want a beer? You know, and um, all, all three of us there were just, oh, yeah, yeah, let's, let's do it. And so we snuck out and the beers were there and two of the other guys, they didn't like it. And then the other guy, the host, he didn't really drink all his cans. So I ended up having three and a half cans. Ooh. And that was my first experience of binge drinking. Um, I thought, well, we've got to finish these, you know. And obviously I wasn't thinking of it in that detail back then, but upon reflection, as I've worked through it in recent times, yeah, that's, that's, that was probably my first experience of binge drinking. And, yeah, so it's quite, quite amazing that in my brain back then there was still that thing, oh, you can't, you can't waste that beer, you've got to finish it. And that, that sort of just kicked off that whole teenagehood, you know, telling your parents you're going somewhere else. You know, you go to the movies, but then you actually go into the park to drink alcohol with your mates. Mm. Um, you know, that, that was happening a lot. One time, I'll tell you, a, it might be funny. It probably wasn't funny for my parents at the time. And I've since, I've since relayed this story back to them. But I told them I was going, like, to a friend's house or something like that. And I would have been, this would have been, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 or something. And they'd gone out to dinner. I was at this party and there was kids going everywhere. And I was, I was crook. And I was out the front and um, not well. 
And I was sitting in the gutter, um, crook as a dog. A car pulls up and I look and I hear this Greg. And I look up and it's my mum and dad on the oh. way back, on the way back from their dinner party. Oh no. And it's like of all the places, there <laughs> they are. They're driving home and they see this kid in the gutter and it's their son. Oh my um, God. <laughs> That's, uh, I ran back in, oh, I've got to go, I've got to go. And then I denied I was drinking and stuff. I just said I felt sick, but obviously they knew I was drinking, you know. For me as a parent now to think about that, oh, it just scares the hell out of me. So there was stuff like that growing up and like drinking was just a bit of a, a, a cultural thing for all, all, all us mates. And then from once you finish school, it just, and, and once you're of legal age, and then that's when it really started when you got to go to pubs. And yeah, I remember on my 18th, I actually got, and this, this should have been a message that I hated, but I actually got knocked back from the first pub that we tried to get into oh, because, I was, because I was too drunk. <laughs> but then we went and found another one, as they do, because you go from one venue to the next. So there's little things like that that I remember back and just think, oh, it probably just wasn't meant to be for me, the relationship with alcohol. Yeah, through my 20s and 30s, like obviously a, a stack happens. But I moved away to a country town where there's footy and beers and pubs and that that's the life um, which country town was it i was in albury wodonga for a okay. while um mm-hmm. i started i started a career in media where I, I started there and i'm still in today i'm a copywriter by trade and you know i was sur- that that sort of town there i was surrounded by alcohol but it was it, the alcohol was just always there it's what brought people together but i was always one of those people that i'd always be first to arrive last to leave you know, mm. um, and just really, I guess that like black and blackout drinking, like that was, that was, that started in my twenties and then through my thirties, the amount of stuff that happens over that journey with the drinking, it's just massive. And when you look back on it, geez, it's really wearing down your brain over the time, isn't it? All that, yeah. all that alcohol abuse that you're, that you're doing to yourself. You know, my now wife that I met her 2007, 2008, and we moved around the country a bit with our jobs and the drinking sort of escalated a bit then, not not from the two of us like being messy and stuff like that, but that connected us a fair bit and learned how to, well, not learn how to drink wine, but, you know, I never drank wine until I met her. And then that brought a whole new level of drinking for me. But again, I was always like trying to just drink, drink, drink to annihilate myself nearly every time. Like I could never just have one glass of something. How were you feeling the next day when you're waking up after, especially after blacking out? How, what was the self-talk that was going on? Oh, initially it's like you just laugh about it, yeah? And I think it sort of goes over the journey of the way you can recover from those nights. You, you might laugh about something that you did that, oh, you should have seen you. You should, oh, you should have seen you do this or something like that. And then you might chuckle your way through it. But then eventually it's just it's like, oh, shit, what have I done? What's happened now? That continued over the journey a fair bit. There was a time when we were apart a bit, not, not in relationship, but in, in geographical terms of I was on the Sunshine Coast, she was down in Brisbane. And then on those, on those nights when she was in Brisbane, I'd go to the local pub and it was the pub where everybody knew my name. It was one of those blokey things that mm. it sort of just went with the territory of being a bloke and watching Cheers growing up, you know, you, you wanted to go to a pub where everybody knew your name. Yeah, that's um, so true. I forgot about that show, Yeah, yeah. But then for me, the drinking escalated, you know, so I'd go there because I had no responsibility at home. I'd, I'd go there and drink and then I'd almost calculate the amount of hours that I needed mm. to sort of freshen up before work the next day. And so that, that was pretty heavy drinking then. So I'd do that during the week, but also hide that from her. You know, oh, I went to the pub just for half an hour. No, I didn't. I went there till close. But then she'd come back on the weekends and we're catching up and then it'd be those celebration drinks where you catch up with your, you haven't seen your partner for a while. And she didn't know that I'd been smashing myself during the week, but then often we'd 
then have a great night or a big night. So it was turning into like five, six nights a week um, for me. And that's just taken its toll over time. Mm. Upon reflection, it's pretty scary that I was doing that to myself. Uh, And like, I'm glad I I am where I am now because I'd probably, it's just waking up with those, that, those moments on what have I done or the blackout drinking it's just it's just really gets you down over the time I reckon totally it's like in your 20s and when you're a teenager you do laugh that off you laugh that off when you wake up and you can't Mm. remember what is it I think it's around when you turn around 30 or or if you do people do start to say actually you're a bit of an asshole last night or you got C-U-N-T drunk last night or whatever that you start to think oh and then you keep doing it, keep doing it, and then suddenly it's not so much of a laugh. You still kind of laugh it off, but internally you're going, "Oh no, this is not, this is not yeah. cool." And that's and that that's sort of what was happening. I got to that point in my thirties, and then once we we're married and fatherhood, you know, that was the next step. But it, it's it's just not fun anymore. It's not fun waking up munted from the night before, um, yeah. and you can't laugh it off. And then because you get to this level, this time in your life where you're probably expected to behave a certain way. And it takes you, for me, it took me until recent times to fully understand that, the way I should be behaving. Like, I can't be 18 forever. It's like stepping into adulthood. It's like sometimes I feel like those of us who are still caught in that drinking cycle, we might still be kind of attached to that childhood, that um, no responsibilities, you know, that kind of stuff, which is kind of fair enough because as we get older and we get all the responsibilities, we start to feel a bit weighed down by it all. So we drink to escape. But I think once we realize, no, I've got to step into adulthood and, you know, I say to myself for a lot of things, don't be a big baby, don't be a big baby, (laughs) you know, man up, so to speak. That helps. But it's definitely, there's a link there, isn't there, between letting go of that that sort of childish sort of part of ourselves and stepping into our adulthood yeah, um, and for me, I found I found that quite scary the whole yeah. time. Like, I sort of grew up worrying about what people thought of me a lot, and worrying about mm. what would that person think, or what if I did this. And so I always, and and with alcohol, that was sort of it, it was just there. Yeah, I'll have a. Beer. I was always the person you'd have a beer with. You know, you could rely on me to have a beer, but it was it was kind of like that became me. Like it started to define me a lot. Yeah. Um, well, not a lot. It did define me really and then yeah I I sort of got lost in that for a lot of the journey like I've you know I I have achieved a lot in in life but then a lot of it I don't look back on fondly because I was just drinking the whole time there's like people you know when when they talk about do you have a hobby (laughs) um I didn't have really I didn't really have a hobby it was just drinking beers really watching horse racing going to the footy that was it. And it was always involved in alcohol. Yeah. With alcohol. Um, yeah. That was me, really. I, I would continually tell myself, oh, gee, I'd love to, you know, uh, I, should, I should try and learn the guitar. I should, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I should be exercising more. But then the alcohol, it was always kind of my handbrake, I guess, yeah. to actually stepping out and doing what I've always wanted to do maybe. Um, it's a good excuse to avoid things to push yourself out of your comfort zone too, isn't it? A little bit like it's like, yeah. oh, I would, but I'm going to have some drinks instead. So now, you know, I would yeah. go and do such like learn guitar, but now nah, I think I'll drink instead. Yeah. I'll do that after this weekend, you know? Yeah. Um, and that it just built up over the time. There were, you know, there were times where I could handle the drinking, but there was times where, you know, you'd, I just, I just drop off like that, fall asleep, you know? And then that got worse over the years. And then pretty much when we got, 
from when we got married, then fatherhood arrives, you know, the year after. And pretty much in my brain then, that's when it really started to gnaw on me, like, what am I going to do about this drinking? To the person outside our household, it wasn't a problem. No one really knew. But for my wife and I, we could see it getting to various stages over the time. When my first son was born, that was 2013. So to start 2014, like I, I, I did a, a whole batch of no alcohol days, you know, probably clocked over 250 days alcohol free that year. Like, and, and with an intention to, to be present for my son and my wife and for the role of fatherhood. Mm. And then did that year. And then uh, 2015, that sort of just kicked off again, where I just, yeah, I'll do some AFDs next week, do it next week, do it next week. And then it just kept kept spiraling a little bit, really. There was a time when my wife has said, I've, I've asked her since I've stopped drinking, what was the worst moments? You know, like in my brain, I have my worst moments and that, you know, that there's always a flint of shame there, no matter how long ago it was, it's always still there with you. And for her, she, and it really surprised me and I'd forgotten about this, obviously, but um there was a time when we were driving back from a function when she was pregnant with our first son and I'd passed out in the car and she didn't know where to go because we'd just moved to Melbourne. And she didn't know the, I grew up in Melbourne, she didn't. So she didn't know the, she didn't know how to get home to where we are staying at the time at, at my parents um, as we were renovating our house. So that was really scary for her and she was so pissed off, so yeah. pissed off at me. And then to, like even, sorry. How did she that, get home? Um, well, she drove. She drove us home. She got there. She eventually worked it out. She found a familiar street event or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she was furious. To me, the next day, I was just like, oh, sorry, I won't fall asleep again. You know, or I won't drink like that again. And then those sort of excuses continued for so many years. We had that discussion this year where, where she told me that. So she's held on to that for, you know, seven, eight years before telling me that. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's awful when you hear those sort of stories or someone says, I remember this time when you were like, you know, you did this and you're like, oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, and I sort of vaguely remember that day and I do remember her yelling at me to wake up. But it's just so awful for her, you know, pregnant with her first child and there I am, you know, just not not representing, not not being there for her. So, Mm. um, so there's all, there's a lot of instances like that over the time where for her and I, it was, You've really got to, you've got to stop doing this. You know, you're a dad. You can't, you can't be doing these all-nighters and, you know, uh, falling asleep at the dinner table from drinking too much booze. I just wasn't there properly for the kids. Like I was, but I wasn't. Yeah. How were you feeling yeah. physically? Uh, not too bad. I was pretty, I was pretty, um, I, I exercised a lot to sort of counteract the hangover, I guess. So I was doing a lot of running over the time. But t- like probably tired and sluggish, and to the by the time I did get to the point where I stopped, it was just my body was telling me I've had enough. Mm. It's just I was just tired, tired of all the what I was doing to myself. Here we are now, yeah. Obviously, like not drinking, geez, it, like it, it's just in your face. I was so ch- I was pretty chubby, like little round moon moon face. Are you um, really? Yeah. I'll um, send us a photo again. <laughs> I will. I can send you a before and after. Oh, it's, please um, do. So what, yeah. tell me about when you decided, okay, I've really, I'm done. I've had enough. Yeah. To get to, get to that point, there was a time in um, 2019 leading up to it where uh, my, my son, my oldest son, he asked me, like, why do you drink beer? And I didn't have the right answer. I, I didn't have an answer for him. 
and oh, it's just daddy's drink or whatever. And he goes, yeah, but why do, you, why do you drink it all the time? So that sort of discussion carried on for a bit. Um, and then a few weeks later, he asked me again, why do you drink beer? And I couldn't explain it. And he said, oh, can you, well, why don't you stop? Just stop. Um, can you stop drinking it? And I sort of laughed it off, like, yeah, good on you, mate. Yep. But then he went at me again a week or two later. And it was like, it was a time when, you know, they'd have a bath. They're having their nightly bath. I'm sitting in the bathroom having a beer, you know, while that, and it was a thing that we just, that we just did. Um, so they'd see me drinking it while they're having a bath. So the discussions are going. And, um, you know, there was this one time where I said, okay, I will stop it. And I told him that, yeah, I'll, I'll stop after Christmas. But he, and he remembered. I never thought he'd remember. They remember everything. Yes. They're geniuses. <laughs> They're absolutely geniuses. So, and then he held me to it. And then also his younger brother started to get in on it as well. Like, please, yeah, stop, Dad. You know, stop stop drinking beer. Why do you drink beer? And so I thought it was a promise to them, really. Um, were they picking up on something or were they noticing change of behaviour or seeing Dad fall asleep? Or Yeah, I, I guess it's like I couldn't answer that. 100%, but I'd say it's a it's the building up of those things, yeah. Bedtime stories, dad's dozing off because I've drunk too much. Yeah, falling asleep on the couch. Like I used to do that all the time, you know. Like on a, on a Saturday, I'd go shopping in the morning. I'd do all my sort of go to the markets and do all that sort of stuff, hang out with the kids a bit, and I was sort of like, oh, I'm done for the day. And then I'd get home and, you know, 5 past 12, 5 past 1, crack that first beer, and then that's me for the day. But unfortunately, there's all this, you know, these kids are wanting to, you know, my boys are wanting to play and all that sort of stuff. But the beer was blocking me from doing that or just I, I was putting the beer before them. And I guess they were noticing that all the time. Like even we'd go on walks to a park and sometimes I'd, have, I'd take a beer with me. You know, and, you know, parents get the coffee cup holders in the prams. You, know, you had yours, uh, beer in yours. Yeah, some, you know, that was the gag. But it's yeah. just, mate, looking back at it, it's just so, it's actually really sad. Yeah, so I think it was a culmination of that. And the boys were just going, why, why do you always drink beer all the time? It's a bloody great question. When, and when I don't have an answer for it, it's what, how, how am I educating them about that if I can't answer it myself? Yeah. Um, I always flirted with the thought of going sober or having a year off beer hmm. since I'd been a father. It, ju- it just gnawed away at me. I knew it was something that I'd probably have to do one day and, you know, and then for the for the boys to do that, like I think it, you know, I'm, I'm, it's a thing about generational change, really, in my brain. That, yeah. And so we got to that point, and then come Christmas Day, he was looking for Santa Claus to arrive, and then for Dad to stop drinking, and then the agreement was after Christmas on on New Year's Eve, like I said. And yeah, like I'm so grateful for that. Wow. Yeah, it's um, it's quite amazing. <clears throat> it's quite amazing that he. Well, they both just had the foresight to, yeah, to say that, and they've and they've held me account to it too. And yeah. <laughs> over over the time, like like because over the over last year, like you drink the zero percent beers and stuff. Um, but I was really conscious of doing that in front of them still, because even though it's no alcohol, it's still a beer, and so much so, my oldest son he he recognised it straight away. He's going, oh, what are you doing? Why are you drinking that beer? Oh. Like, it's not a beer. It's not a beer. Um, and then, I, and then from that comes a discussion about what it is and and why it's no alcohol, and another discussion of why Dad doesn't drink alcohol. You know, so they're learning about alcohol now and what it does and what and what um, by not drinking it, what it does. You know, mm. 
So it's a pretty powerful journey that we're on as a family. Um, and yeah, I think for, I'll be forever grateful to them for asking me that because mm. it's like I may never go back, I don't think, and because it's such, I just want to be the best version of myself for, my, for me as well and for my wife, but then as a father as well. And so that, that was, the, that was the, the clincher, like getting rid of alcohol out of my life, it just changed everything. Yeah. And particularly as a parent, you know, like there's no, that you're not waking up. You're not, you're not like, there was a time I remember I came home at like 6 a.m., you know, um, from a night out. And the, the boys are already up watching Scooby Doo. You know, I'm trying to sneak through the door and it's, they're awake. I'm just like, oh God. Yeah. Ooh, and then I sat on the couch with them for half an hour and watched Scooby Doo and then went to bed. Um, like just, they, 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 they'll never remember that, but I will. So it was behaviour like that that needed to stop, I think, to give them the best chance, really. Yeah. So sometimes there's no bigger driver than your kids. Like for, for me, it was my kids at the end of the day as well that they weren't asking me but I knew it was starting to affect them or they were seeing things that wasn't cool. And yeah. I know pretty early on they were asking me, are you going to start drinking again? And I was like, no, 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 no. And they were even like sometimes if we had a friends and there was a wine glass and I had like soda water in the wine glass, same thing. They're like, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I was break my heart because I thought, shit, it really must have been bothering them. You know, yeah. really they get so worried and you think about their, what's going on in those poor little minds and hearts that, yeah, there's no yeah. bigger driver <laughs> than, oh. than kids. Massively, massively. And like now they've got, you know, this is a simple analogy, but now, like we're lucky enough to have a trampoline. Now they've got a dad who wants to bounce with them on that trampoline and play games out there for ages as opposed to get out on that trampoline and like, okay, dad's just pretending to be asleep on the tramp with them. You know, <laughs> you can jump on me. Yeah, wrestle me, jump on me. But it was so I didn't have to move, you know, yeah. um, when I was hungover. So they're just getting a better version of their dad and a better life for them, I think. Yeah. I've spoken to my wife about it, like the note, the changes she's noticed, and and it, and it is that it's the the more time that I've been able to offer everyone, but particularly the boys, and I, I didn't really notice it. The thing is, I'd get up, you know, if I did the time, if I did the crime, I, you know, if I did the time, I'd have to get up, yeah. do the time, do the crime, do the time, or whatever, but. I'd always get up after two or three hours, you know, for the kids, whether I was hungover or not. So I'd be up there every morning and do the normal things, but it just sort of just started to wear me down. But, but now I'm in, I'm jumping out of bed, you know, I'm wanting to be, I'm wanting to get up. I'm wanting to, to be amongst it with them. And whether that, that, that's a motivational thing as well from my own mindset, eliminating alcohol out of my life. That's, that's been a major catalyst for the, for the change and, yeah. um, and being that better person. Yeah, well done. Like just huge congratulations to you. It's such a, a big journey to go on. It's like to be able to set an example for your boys to look up to is so huge and there's nothing more important than that. Yeah. So, you know, Thanks, Danny. well done. So tell us how, <clears throat> so obviously it was a pretty, you know, fairly seasoned drinker. So <laughs> tell us, you know, you get to Jan first and you wake up and you're yeah. feeling hungover and embarrassed, whatever, your in-laws. What strategy, like how, how did you do it? How did you quit? What did you do? Um, leading up to it, behind the scenes, I'd been listening to a stack of books 
on Audible, all the quit lit, which is massive. It's it's growing in Australia, isn't it? You know, yeah. um, with people like yourself and other and yeah. other authors, and um, but there's a stack of publications in the UK about it. Like, um, so I listen to a lot of literature on, on Audible, um, and that helped me a lot getting ready for that day. I think the first one, the first quit lead I listened to was the Catherine Gray one, the unexpected joy of being sober, you know, and that was quite a lot of that's relatable from the blackout drinking and stuff like that. But then I I looked at her page and then there was, you know, and then from that I started to see other people and follow other people on Instagram. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. And there's actually um, a woman I connected with in the UK, and her name's Nadia, and we're friends now all these years later. And I just started to throw a few questions about her because she, she had a blog herself about being alcohol free. And we looked similar age and all that sort of stuff. And as it turns out, I'm a bit older than her, um, about 10 years or so. But she um, she started to share with me her journey on how she got to quitting alcohol um, and then started to sort of mentor me, you know. Um, mm. And I said, right, this is what I'm planning to do. And she said, I'll help you, but don't, don't bullshit me, you know, if you really want to do it. And then from that, I said, I really want to do it, you know. And then so she started to give me time and we, we've, we're now – really good friends and connect quite a lot on Insta. So it was people like that that helped me get there and then open communication with my wife that helped me get there. And then there was a lot of, I don't know if you've heard about it, but the Resilience Project as well. Yeah, I was just going to say, have you heard of Hugh's book? Yeah, yeah, I just read that. It was awesome. Yeah. So I've read that and I've and I've been, I was doing his journal probably, you know, from the start of 2019, like I'm up to about 800 and something plus days now of his journal consecutively. Yes. So I've been doing a lot of practicing gratitude, you know, gratitude, empathy, mindfulness leading up to this time. Hmm. So I was pretty psyched for it that January one, even though, you know, I smashed myself the night before I knew what I was in for and I knew what I was, why I was doing it. And then that just continued, you know, so from January one, um, you know, I've been journaling most days, particularly with that diary, but the exercise helped me. And I've also, in the lead up as well, you know, I've seen an alcohol counsellor at first when I was really highlighting and mm. analysing the problem. And then mm. she helped me as well from that time after January 1, 2020, where we had regular sessions and just to dissect it. And That's great. How long um, did you do that for? Uh, I'd seen her probably a year or so before. And then up until COVID hit last year, we'd, you know, we'd seen each other regularly. So initially it was weekly, like when I first met her and when I was at my sort of, oh, I'm, I'm not good. And then it became monthly. Good on you. Fortnightly monthly, yeah. Um, sounds like you had a lot of tools in there. And this is what I always say to people, if you're wanting to quit, there's got to be tools in, the, in your toolbox of how to get through. And it sounds like, you know, 
reading, being really mentally prepared is great and seeking a counsellor or someone to help you, mentors, just fantastic. Yeah, and it really does help and it sort of helps because when you, I guess when you are, it's a massive change in your life. You're getting rid of something that you're so used to, you know, and it's been there forever. So I'd imagine, I don't know what it would be like to do it without that. And I'm mm. glad I didn't have to learn that. I'm, I'm glad that I had these tools to, mm. to, to help myself. And even with the, um, you know, I did Headspace a lot with the meditation. Yeah, that's a great, um, that's a great app. And like that, I was prolific on that. I, I was daily, daily, daily. And then some days you do miss your days and you, you sort of kick yourself, you know, mm. like, oh, I've, I've, I've missed that, but I've missed, I've stuffed up my streak, you know, because <laughs> they tell you how many days in a row you've done it. Yeah. Which, which can be good and bad because if you miss a day, it's okay. It's okay to miss that day. And then you just get back on the horse of it. But the, that, that sort of helped me just sit in my own, my own thoughts and really like look at my feeling, like analyze my feelings and not be scared of them anymore. Yeah. That's part of it, isn't it? It's like to be, present enough in yourself that when the big feelings come up it's like it's okay yeah yeah and like as we said it's like a a sport loving bloke in australia if you're not a drinker then what are you um yeah it's huge so it's huge like that's a really big thing and how did you tackle that so let's say because as you're saying you were the one that people would depend on to go out for a beer with and yeah firstly let's talk about that and then i want to ask you about going to the footy (laughs) Oh, right. Um, Tell me about like with the friends, how did you tackle that? Because that's a big yeah. thing with a lot of the listeners to this podcast, like how how am I going to deal with my friends? And So I, I sort of, um, I didn't go, I didn't announce it to the world too quickly what I was doing. A few core friends in my day-to-day life I did discuss it with and a couple of them are dads as well and a couple weren't. And the initial reaction they had was shock, really. Like why, why the hell are you going to do that? You won't be able to do that. You shouldn't do that. Oh, come on, you'll be right. Just just have a couple of days off. But then when they realize I'm serious, you know, like I was saying, I was responding to that by saying, Well, I don't know what life's going to be like without it, but I need to find out. And then when I when I was coming back at, with discussions like that, that's when they knew I was serious about it. You know, that they, they supported me. They were really good about it, you know. That's so good. St- that takes st- such guts, can I just say, too, to front up, <laughs> especially for blokes. You yeah. know, it's hard for half of for Blokes, I think it's hard to show the emotion and to be so vulnerable like that and to say, actually, I need to do this. I'm going to do this. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. good well, on we you. Just, yeah. Well, we do put up a shield, really. And a lot, and that, that's alcohol for a lot of us. We hide behind the beer, but in every sip, there's a story for that person drinking it, isn't there? You know, and then mm. um, it's where it takes you at the time. But, and, and still, you know, it took them time to understand it. You know, but they, they were behind me and sort of, you know, they thought I was a dickhead, you know, oh, you wanker. But um, sure, <laughs> do what you got to do, you know. But then over the journey, they saw I was serious and I wasn't going to crack and stuff like that. And then I sort of shared it with more and more people. I got uh, more comfortable in myself. I, I loved myself more. Yeah. You know? And I was happy to talk about it. I'm like, here we are now. I don't, I don't, I don't care what people think. So I guess I was lucky because COVID hit. So, mm. I only had to deal with going to pubs or functions or, you know, uh, work meetings or whatever where there was alcohol might have been involved or something like that only for the first few months of last year. And in that time I had, you know, dry January, Feb fast. So I I was able to sort of say, rather than explain my whole story and blurt it out to someone, like, um, which they don't need straight away, (laughs) Mm, mm. um, 
because you've got to be really careful too not to sort of preach to people about what you're doing. It's, it's, it's uncomfortable enough for yourself, but it's also uncomfortable for a lot of other people when you tell them what you're doing. So, yeah, I was sort of able to hide behind Jan, um, all that sort of stuff, dry Jan and that, and then COVID hit and I didn't have to socialise as much, obviously, you know. There was all those Zoom calls, like because in Melbourne there was hardcore lockdown for mm. ages everyone was drinking on zoom calls and stuff but mm. I, I might just have the soda water or a zero percent beer so i was involved but then yeah I, I sort of avoided that whole thing so this year will be interesting you know year two when i do go back out into the world so to speak but i feel so confident about it and so comfortable in who i am and why i'm doing it that the friends the friends who the, the friends who love you the most and know you from aid, they're going to stick with you. You might lose a few along the journey, but a lot of, you know, a lot of those friends, it's, it's who are your friends and who are your acquaintances. Yeah. And you learn that pretty quickly when you do something like this. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's actually really lovely because <clears throat> that you do weed out the, the shit ones <laughs> or yeah. the ones that, you know, that you thought might've been such great, such great value. And actually, we're only in it to drink your free piss. <laughs> so. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, just always in there for the for the beers. That's right. And it's been interesting. Like, I'm okay in social situations too. Like, I can go there and I know what I'm going into. Not drinking is my choice, so you need to plan for that when you're going out and about too. Mm. You know, so I'll, I'll research pubs if they've got zero percent beers and stuff like that. And there, there was a time we're in Byron at the start of this year. I popped down and caught up with some mates, and um. They were there on a three-day three day session, basically, oh, wow. and I, I caught up with them on the Saturday afternoon and Saturday evening for dinner. And, yeah, I, I knew what I was in for, but I was also ready for it. I was ready to drink soda water if that's all that the venue had. But going into a pub, I was pretty confident they had, they had something. And the, and the great thing of that manager at the pub, I said to him, oh, mate, I'm actually – they said they don't have any, but, oh, mate, I'm actually sitting here for the next six hours while my mates here drink all day and punt on the horses – do you have them anywhere, you know? And, and they've, they had a bottle shop out the back. So they just went and loaded it up with 0% beers for me and I, I was comfortable then for the rest of the day, you know. I was able to sit with them. Oh, good on you. That's yeah. really cool, like, to research. That's a really great tip and no one's ever said that on this whole podcast is to oh, research right. where you're going and see if they've got what 0% oh, massively. Yeah, massively. that's great. You know, it was my birthday recently and my wife where we booked dinner. That's now part of her booking process do you serve alcohol free drinks that aren't just juice you know and you and i guess in those social situations as well and particularly for blokes if you know if if there are blokes listening it's also knowing it's okay to say no to that night in question everyone was kicking on after dinner but that's when i drew the line that was it okay i've had i've had my fill yeah awesome catching up with you guys awesome that we can still connect you know it's okay you've got it was their first big session with me as a non-drinker as well because i'm interstate they're in queensland i'm in melbourne normally and it was okay we could all see that we could still communicate and hang out yeah yeah (laughs) Um, do they give you any shit oh a little bit but just sort of banter you know Um, just lighthearted sort of stuff yeah you know um and nothing nothing like putting me down or that would that I would say, oh, that's really poor. They're actually more supportive of it, and they get it. And then th- that night when they were kicking on, that's when they were going up into some other bar. Come on, this is when the night's really getting started. And I was like, nah, yeah. that's that for me. That's it. You guys go a, have a great time. That's a big. That's a really big point, and always make that with people is know when it's time to go. You yeah. don't have to stay all night. You can go and make an appearance, or sometimes totally. you make a time limit for yourself, especially early on. But 
just know that you don't have to go all night. It's like, go, you make an appearance. Once they get a bit sloppy, time to go. Yeah. And it's sort of that thing. It's that first hour, first two hours. It can be a bit orcs, you know, and a bit, a bit sort of yeah. tough initially and hardcore small talk, you know, when you don't have your, your, you know, that friend that you're used to in the alcohol. But again, by the time you're going into that, when you're putting yourself in those social situations, it's that knowing what's going to happen and what you will have. After one or two hours, once, every, once everyone else at the party has had their few drinks, they all loosen up and stuff like that. And before you know it, they're, as we all know, when we're drinking, we're not going to remember much after the next whatever happens. So you sort of get there for that early bit and then that's right. After a few hours, just go. You know? And a lot of the time people won't remember what time you left. It doesn't yeah. matter. That's right. You'll probably be surprised too over the coming months, even years, that some of those guys might even reach out to you eventually and go, actually, I kind of want to do, you'll be a huge inspiration to, to those guys. Yeah, it's a lot of, like people have reached out from, mm. from my social posts because I've got my Booze Free Dad Insta account, but then also I've got my social media that I had before that. Um, and I've shared stuff along there. You know, that's when I really came out into the open about not drinking and it was just so pretty scary to post that stuff initially because you're telling everyone that knows you you're not just telling your beautiful sober community that you're connecting with your safe um, community my safe community yeah <laughs> um and so from those posts it's actually phenomenal the comments and the you know there has been a few dms about how did you do it um i've been thinking about that i wish i could do that and again you're just really careful on what you write back and what you share back because it's everyone's own personal journey but for discussions like this, for social posts like that, it's amazing how it can help people. You build up your own you build up your own fear about posting something or talking so openly about something because that's just you. But then when other people are there listening to it or seeing it, oh, it's phenomenal. The yeah. the the help. And it's okay for people to think, oh, that's that's me. Oh, so it's not just me that felt shit from waking up blackout after blackout drunk again or yeah, it's just, it's a lot of people out there that are going through the same thing, but it's just a lot of people are scared to talk about it, Yeah, I guess. Exactly why I have this podcast, because just so people know that they don't have to feel the shame and that there's, we've all been there, we've all been there to different degrees. And yeah, this is, you know, it's, it's okay and it's okay to reach out and just share your story. Massively so. It's, it's okay to feel vulnerable as well, like, but for blokes, like, to actually talk about it and, and actually, you know, there's that saying where we say to lean into it. That's all new language for blokes, really. And, and getting in touch with our feelings and that we used to get put down for that. But the way the, the world's changing, and it's so good the way it's changing in that, like the more and more people are, are talking about it and the world's becoming more comfortable to share your story. And whether that whatever whatever your story, whether it's not drinking or whether it's, you know, depression or anxiety, and once you start talking about it, it just helps so much. Totally. Yeah. I just feel like every single guy I have on this podcast <laughs> always seems to have this beautiful soft side to them. And do you think that just comes with giving away the alcohol and doing the work on yourself just seems to soften men? And how does that feel as a, as a man to kind of soften up and be more open and, and vulnerable? Yeah, it feels awesome. I'll tell you what. For me, I've always probably been a softie. Like I've been always an emotional person, um, hard on my sleeve type, type character. Mm. Um, but I think what it, what it's done now, like, and yeah, I did all the all the all the mindfulness leading up to it, but the alcohol was still always getting in the way of who I could be and where I could get to. 
now with where I'm at, I'll talk about how I'm feeling to someone else, you know, um, openly with my family now, openly with friends. It's not throwing no alcohol, uh, don't drink, don't drink down their throats. It's, it's just me being comfortable with who I am and my purpose now, really. Yeah. Like who, who's going to say to you, oh, that's great, you want to be a better person and a better role model for your kids. They're not going to say to you, you can't give up alcohol, <laughs> you know, to do that. No, you've got to keep getting pissed. <laughs> no way. So it's my choice to do that. I, I don't know. It's just a, it's a, it's a new confidence I have. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'm not scared of who I am anymore. Really? Yeah. I, I think because I'm starting to learn more about who I am. Yeah. Absolutely just powerful journey so Isn't far. Isn't it just, and it's like, you just can't stress it enough. And I say this all the time on this podcast, but just because <laughs> every guest I have on is the same. Like they just feel so different in themselves and more confident. And, you know, at the start, sure, it's a bit shaky ground. It's the unknown mm. You don't know, you know, it's just weird. It's weird. It can be uncomfortable. It can be all these things. But as the journey progresses, and if you do the stuff like what you did, gratitude and the journaling and mindfulness and all that stuff, the meditation, it builds you up, doesn't it? It just builds, it enhances your personality. And every single person just feels transformed. It's just incredible. It's the biggest gift, isn't it? Uh, It is. I worked with this lady years and years ago. She's reached out to me saying, well done, you know, that's awesome, it's inspiring. You've given, you've given up one thing to get everything. Oh, yeah, you that's know? great. Um, yeah. And I don't know who came up with that, whether it was her or not, but I love it. And she's dead right. It's amazing what it unveils. Once it's gone, what, what happens next? And, yeah. and that's the thing. You don't know what's going to happen next. And it'll be different for everyone, but sort of not being scared of what that could be or how it could, what it could look like. In the, in the years to come. And just, you're only going to know if you try, really. And it's bloody scary to try initially, but like you say, it just becomes more and more a part of you and more comfortable. And yeah, it's like facing your fears, hey? Like, mm. why, why fear giving up drinking something that wasn't getting the best out of you, you know, or giving you the best? Um, yeah. Yeah, why I, not live our best? Like, why shouldn't we live our best versions of ourselves? And totally. There's not many totally. people that can say, oh, I get smashed every week or every night or whatever, but I'm living the best, I'm being the best version of myself. I just don't feel that that, that no, kind of goes. No, it just doesn't match up, you know. And then there might, like, there was probably times where I felt I was, I was um, deluding myself that I was the best version of myself. Going out, like, getting up the next day, fine, still going through my daily chores or whatever, but the blackouts became worse, you know. You weren't recovering as good, you, and the blackouts weren't just 30 minutes. They'll be coming hours. That's, that's not cool. That's not good for your health. <laughs> it gets to a point where you, you can't carry on with it. It's really hard to. And then this freshness that you get, it's like this first-class ticket to freshness you get from giving up the alcohol and then trying to go sober. And once you get past that month, two-month, three-month area of it, that's where your hard work really starts to kick in. And I, th- I, think, I think for me, like a lot of people, as we know, they'll start and then go back to it and stuff like that. I've been lucky that I haven't done that. And I've been really lucky that I don't feel the urge to do that. And I think, I think for me why I've got to this point was because when I set out the task, and I, and I do call it a task, not a goal, because a goal can set you up and for failure, so to speak, and you, and you beat yourself up if you don't make all these goals. But the task I set was 12 months off. And then I think mentally through the year, it helped me knowing that it was for a whole year mm. and not just for this one month off for like a dry January. And then mm. on February one, you get to smash yourself. 
Because mm. that's what happens a lot with those ones. They're, they're great initiatives to do and have a, a little exploration into it, but then it's still a deadline in your brain that mm. I, I can't wait for that first day I can have a drink again. Yeah. But then, but then with this taking the year off, by the time I got to the end of the year, even earlier than that, I was already a new person. I was already learning new things about myself. I was already this more engaged, more loving person. And by the time I got to the end of that year, I don't want to go back to the person I was when I was on the, on the piss. No way. We got to the end of our year because we were only going to do a year initially as well. We got to the end and I was just like, there is no fucking way I'm going back to that. <laughs> no way. And Ash, and I was like, Ashley, and he's like, no way either. Like, no. Yeah. Scotty, Claire, the other people in our group, they were just, we just, no, no way, not going back to that. Yeah, and, and when you start the year off, you would never have thought you'd be that person, would you? No way, no way. I remember thinking a few days in, what the fuck have I done? <laughs> <laughs> Why the hell did I tell everyone I was going to do this? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you know, it's, it's definitely it gets easier. So just quickly because we have to yeah. wrap up, but I know your wife, Nick, you were saying earlier that she's yeah. still drinking. That is a concern for people. I'm, I'm going to quit, but my husband's not, or I'm going to quit, my wife's not. How does that sit with you and, and in your relationship? For me, I'm fine with it. And it hasn't, it hasn't caused any hiccups or anything in between. And it was, it was my thing that I was doing um, that I needed to do for us um, and in taking a break from alcohol. And she, and she herself was a far, how, how would I put it? She's a far better drinker than I was, you know. Yeah. She, she can moderate. So she has a far better grip on it and what it does. And she was always, you know, as soon as motherhood came along, she was there for the kids, you know, and yeah. it's that natural urge. And she, she, didn't, she didn't go out and get smashed like I did, you know. Come home at six in the morning. No, and watch Scooby-Doo. She was already up. You know? um, no. Yeah. But, um, but for us, it's actually enhanced our relationship. The last thing I would want to do to her is preach to her, like, oh, don't do it, don't do it. Mm. And, and I've spoken to her about it. Like, is it okay that I don't drink, that I continue, that, that I continue not to drink? Mm. And her answer is a definitive yes, absolutely, <clears throat> because of the person I'm becoming or yeah. have become. And she, like, she does drink in front of me sometimes, and that's fine. Like, we had people over for dinner on the weekend and you know, there I was sober as a judge and uh, everyone had a great old time. It was fine. And that's okay, you know, to be around that. And I'm not, I'm not going to preach to her about don't drink, don't drink, you know. And I, I've never really done that to anyone else. I'm okay with it. She's okay with it. She doesn't drink to get plastered like I did. She doesn't, she rarely drinks on weeknights, you know. She, she's really conscious of what she does in front of the kids. Yeah. And I think, like, we're better for it. If down the track she doesn't drink, great. But it's it's not going to um, stop us from being the people we are, or the or the you know our unity as husband and wife and parents to the boys. Um, That's great. It's so cool because a lot of, a lot of people can use that as a barrier. <laughs> oh no, I can't because my partner's not good on you. You know mm. that's great, and it obviously hasn't had you know jack difference. Yeah. Like, it, well, so. like it saved us. Me not drinking saved us. I reckon because over the journey, all the times I apologise, I won't do it again. I won't go out again, or. I'm sorry I did this. Yes, I need to know. I need to improve my drinking. That was wearing her her down too, yeah. not just wearing me down. And and by the time we got to the point where it was like, I've really got to, I've got to do something. I I could see it in her face, you know, like she she wanted me to do it, but did she believe me? Probably not. But it, it's it's saved us because mm. if I didn't do it, we wouldn't be here today because I would have kept drinking and annihilating myself. 
you know, I could see that if I kept going down this path, we wouldn't, we probably wouldn't be together because it was impacting our, it was starting to impact the family too much. Yeah. Um, I could, I could just see it in her face. You know, I was disappointing her too often from it. Um, mm. And now I don't see that anymore. You know, yeah. just yeah. frustration because I didn't listen properly to something that I had to do or that, that there's no, um, that's just normal household stuff, you know. Yeah. Forgetful, forgetful me. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 probably it's enhanced our relationship really. So, and I'm like, I'm really lucky that it's had that result. Yeah, it's so great, and the, she must be so proud, and the boys obviously be so proud, and you must be so proud of yourself. Yeah, I'm proud of you, and I don't even know. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> but um, yeah, well done. I've, That's just such a great story. Oh, thank you, and. Yeah, I am proud of myself and I can happily say that, you know, and I'm, I'm okay with saying that. And, yeah, she is. She, she would have been the same too. She never thought we would have got to this stage and she probably never thought I could do the whole year, you know, given, given my lifestyle, given my career. Alcohol's everywhere. It was everywhere in that. But then I just chose to still do that but just avoid the alcohol bit. And then here we are, you know, we did do it and it's a, it's a new version of me and a yeah. whole new version of us. So um, great. And, and you can the, do it. Like people can do it. Like when it's in your face, in your job, you know, like Ash and I are testament to that, your testament to yeah. that. So are so many people that if it is in your job and it's kind of expected of you or, you know, it's just everywhere, you can do it. Yeah. And there's so many options. With the zero percent, if you need to have a beer in your hand, you can get the zero percent, you know, or a, com- or a kombucha or something like that. You can do it. It's just a matter of getting used to doing it too, you know, and not fearing it, I suppose, for me. Um, it's different for everyone, but yeah. And the more people that share their story, the more people who are on the verge of doing it will think, okay, I'm going to give it a crack, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's powerful stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. Well, just one last question for you. If yeah. you could go back to 12 year old, you 12 year old Greg oh, wow. and sit with him and, you know, look him in the eye, what advice would you give him? <sighs> um. I definitely tell him try not to worry what other people think of you. Mm. Don't don't try not to let that consume you. That fear of what people might think. If you don't go to this event, or if you don't compete in that sport, or if you don't, just try not to fear that. It's okay. I'd probably tell myself it's okay to make choices mm. that not everyone would necessarily do themselves. Make the choice for you. Yeah. Just don't be scared of what other people think. That was a big thing for me, really. Yeah. Um, you know, my oldest son, he turns eight this year. So he's close to, he's only four years, he's only four years away from being that 12 year old that might be exposed to alcohol. So yeah. the power of choice really. Um, and don't yeah. be afraid to make choices that are, that are for you and only you. And from that, it's okay to say no to things really. That's great advice. And hopefully advice that you can pass on and you, I'm sure you will be passing on to your kids as well. Yeah, and just in the, you're, you are in the way that you're living and just being a walking example of that. So it's great. So yeah. thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. If anyone wants to reach out to you, your mm-hmm. Insta handle is Booze Free yeah, Dad. It is, yeah, at booze, for, uh, at booze Free Dad. Yeah, then also boozefreedad at gmail.com if anyone wants to email. But, yeah, anyone that wants to reach out, absolutely do it, but particularly blokes, particularly dads uh, or any parent for that matter, yeah, I'll always respond quickly and, and share my story to hopefully help your story. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. You are an absolute legend and I hope to meet you guys in the flesh one day when we're in Melbourne. Yeah, good on you, Danny. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.